Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, let's go. Super Talk Eagle Hour back on the air. Glad you're tuned in. Whatever station you catch us every day or whether it's online, we appreciate you joining us. Great show for you today. Daniel Stewart, former Southern Miss baseball pitcher, about to join us. We'll be talking basketball a little later in the show. And Noah Frary from the Frary and Smith podcast. Going to be on the show uh, in the second half hour to talk about a lot of big news breaking today uh, in the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, opening segment of the show sponsored every day by Southern Bank Corps. That is the, where we broadcast our studio at in both Hattiesburg and Laurel, and we're always glad to do that. Bob and Kelly in the Southern Bank Corps studio here, Luke in Laurel. Opening segment of the show, as it is every day, sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. All right, Golden Eagles back on the road tonight, uh, going down to uh, Shuckers Park for the first time since 2019 to take on Nichols State. Daniel Stewart, former baseball pitcher for the Golden Eagles, and now, I'm happy to say, with Southern Bank Court. Absolutely. Uh, joins us uh, every uh, week uh, throughout baseball. And uh, let, me throw, let me throw a stat at you, uh, Daniel, and, okay. and you analyze this from Sunday. 17 strikeouts, one walk. Pretty good? Really good. Um you know, just looking at how our pitching staff has done, we've done really well. Uh, kept the walks down, really holding batters to pretty respectable averages on, on their side, uh, and a lot of strikeouts. So can't complain. Coach Ostrander doing a great job with those guys. He didn't like that one walk. He did tell Kelly and I that yesterday. He would, we're, we're, wasn't real happy Any with walk the one is walk. Bad. He walk. doesn't like walks, does no, he, Daniel? No. No, and I've noticed, too, and I'm sure you have uh, – in this new era of Southern Miss baseball, if you're a relief pitcher and you come in and you walk somebody, chances are you're going to sit on the bench with Coach Oz. You've got a very short leash, and our staff's pretty deep. So it's like, hey, if you, you know, you're not being consistent, you're not commanding the zone. You know, your your outing's going to be short lived. And how big of an advantage is that for a coach to have that kind of depth where he doesn't have to put up with a bad performance? Well, you know. Our guys, look at Chase Adams, Colby Colby Allen, two great middle relievers that we've got have done really well this year. So really impressed with those guys. So for Coach Ostrander to be able to say, hey, starter got four or five innings, you know, Colby, Chase, y'all go out there and give us two to three. I think they've really got a really good shot of being able to do that this year. You know, the base hits are not going to kill you, right? I mean, that's that's base. I mean, you make them earn what they get. It's the two or three walks ahead of the hit. Yeah, it's the two or three walks, then you hit a batter, then there's a wild pitch, and it just kind of like the snowball kind of starts to happen. So if you can you know, stay in the strike zone, 
you're going to give up hits. That's just inevitable. That's why you got to throw a strike over the plate. Um, it's going to happen. So early, early in the season, usually pitching is ahead of hitting. Usually, you know, because it just takes a while for the hitters to get into their groove. But I'm not sure, Daniel. Just looking at this staff, and you alluded to the depth, <clears throat> but the talent, the level of talent. I'm not sure that we're going to see other team now. Coastal has been putting up ridiculous numbers. I think they averaged almost 20 runs a game this past weekend. Right. Um, but I'm not sure we're going to see a big disparity of improved hitting if this Southern Miss staff continues to perform the way they have out of the gate. Yeah, you know, it, guys are going to warm up as the year goes on. Pitchers will, as well as the hitters. So, um, And the game's all about adjustment. You know, as the year goes on, um, the hitters are going to get better. They're going to get used to seeing that 95, 96-mile-an-hour fastball where they was blowing by them with first of the year, now they're hitting it. So the pitchers have to stay on their game. Hitters are going to adjust. It's a whole game of adjustment. So, and that's kind of what you do throughout the whole year is just to make adjustments as you go. And, and, the, and the game ha- – people say, well, the thing I like about baseball is that, well, it, it's never changed. Well, it has a little in the sense that you're talking about 95 and 96 fastballs when you were throwing it up there at 76, 77, Daniel. Right? <laughs> Maybe a little faster than that, but okay. not much, to be honest with you. <laughs> Coach Palmer told me I didn't throw hard enough to throw over the white part of the plate. So, you know, that's that was true to his form, but he was right. Or, so. did, or didn't throw hard enough to break a pane of glass. That, that was the other too. thing, right? That too, yeah. but, um, you know, now, nowadays, if you don't throw 92 or 93, it seems like you're you're throwing slow, um, but you look at you know guys like Billy Oldham. He's 88 to 90, very successful. Uh, of course, we got a guy like JB Middleton throwing 95, 96 too. So you know, pitching is not all about speed. Arguably, which is a tough word, obviously for me to say. <laughs> arguably, uh, Greg Maddox, right, best pitcher in modern baseball, in my opinion, never threw very hard. Never did, never do. But he could throw the ball to whatever spot he wanted and it ran about eight to 12 inches when it did that so um command of the strike zone all right look get in here with daniel daniel uh we saw in this week's uh rotation um sibley out armistead in sibley came in and, and mm-hmm. did a good job out of the pen um armistead six 16 strikeouts one walk in his first nine innings yeah um that is, of course, a plus to the weekend rotation. What would be the negative of not having a lefty in the weekend rotation? You know, lefties just seem to kind of always give other teams a different look. Uh, take a guy like Sibley. He kind of throws across his body, not your typical three-quarter over the top like a lot of your right-handed pitchers do. Um, there seems to be a lot more right-handed hitters. And, you know, this guy like Sibley's got a good slider, kind of breaks right over the top of their feet, kind of slot, uh, pitch over or swing over the ball. Um but, you know, coaches like to give teams different looks. you got good righty, good lefty. Um, create those matchups that are dis- disadvantageous, another hard word maybe, yeah. <laughs> to, to the opposing hitters. And, um, you know, the way we sit right now, it looks like we're going to have three righties because it looks like Armistead's earned that Sunday spot. And, and with that said, though, you do have three lefty bullpen arms. Uh, best started last week, mm-hmm. but you feel like – he could possibly be a longer relief option, Sively. Mm-hmm. And then Ben Riley Flowers has put in some good work as well. So if you start three righties over the weekend, you could certainly bring those guys in for multiple innings and give that, what you said, that contrasting look. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Flowers looked really good, just got a couple of bad breaks. Uh, we know Sively's 
you know, capable of putting together three or four strong innings. Um, so, you know, Best, is, I think, is coming off those injuries and trying to work him back in. So we can get those guys firing on all cylinders. We, We're going to have a tough combo. And, and talk about the back end because what English, Middleton, and Payne look like, I, I thought, you know, what 2022 looked like on the back end was mm-hmm. ferocious, but, I mean, this looks just the same. Yeah, it looks really good. I think Middleton's going to be the guy, but, you know, he's – Maybe not always going to be, you know, he might need a rest one night. Um, you know, they might call on him for two innings on a Friday, and he might not be able to go on that Saturday. So you're going to need somebody to step up and, and be that, fill that closer role. So, but like you said, we've got three guys that p- could potentially fill that spot for us. So we're looking really good. And that's the only downside to really not having uh, an easy game somewhere along the way. So that if, if some of your guys do need some rest, they can. You know, when you're playing East Bufu State, who's terrible, you know, <laughs> right. you don't have to use those guys. But when you have this schedule that they've put together, heck, every night is tough. Every night, yeah. You know, that's why you do all your preparation prior to the season, all your conditioning, because they're going to have these stretches where you're not going to get a lot of rest. You're not going to get a lot of breaks, and you got to be able to go out there and compete every time. All right, does this surprise you? Uh, Coach Oz told us yesterday, and I think the exact words he said is, uh, here's a warning you're going to see a lot of arms tomorrow night. And he's going to start Cole Boswell, but I get the feeling this is going to be one of those every inning he's going to rotate a pitcher. And that tells me that he's continuing at this point of the year to to get in his mind who my guys are. Yeah. Well, you've got to put the guys in to see who's going to compete, who's going to do well. Similar to what they did against UNO last Tuesday, I think maybe ran five or six pitchers out there. Boswell was one of those guys, and I think he he got roughed up a little bit, but he's capable. He's a you know transfer from Reading Community College, mile more mater as well, West Lauderdale. So, know he's been coached up well, know what he's capable of. Uh, but yeah, we're going to see a few guys out there tonight. Does that bother you at this point of the year? It's almost like. Yeah, we want to win, and I, obviously they want to win games. But right now I get the impression for Coach Oz, getting these guys sorted out in his mind is just as important as these the outcome of these early midweek games. Yeah, I mean, they're still going to try to win. You know, don't don't get Coach Oz wrong there. But right. oh. there has to be the, the innings pitch. You've got to get those, you know, innings under your belt, get some confidence, get some comfortability out on the mound, uh, kind of learn your spot. And, you know, there's no situation like the actual game situation to figure out who's going to do well and who's not. When you have a particular craft, in this in this place we're talking pitching, you have to use it. Got to use it. Right? So you can't just sit around, you know, in the bullpen saying, well, you know, and pitch every 12 days yeah. and expect those guys to be sharp. So I, I would expect this to happen, yeah. you know, and, to you know, get if, these guys work. Yeah, and if you, you didn't get a chance to pitch on the weekend, you're sitting around going, man, I really want to get my chance to earn it. Well, here's your chance. You know, go out there and throw a, one or two good innings, and you're really going to show everybody what you can do. Former Gold Eagle pitcher Daniel Stewart's in the studio with us here. Ironically, the Southern Bank Core Studio. That's right. Right here in Oak Grove. We're going to continue our conversation on the other side of the break. Going to hear from a player. I, I, it's an interesting interview, and then we'll get Daniel's take on how kids like this uh, are important to a baseball team. Hang on.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, welcome back. Super Talk Eagle Hour. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart at campusbookmart.net. Miss Kathleen, the best. She's there seven days a week. And by the way, Campus Bookmart is looking for part-time help. So if you want a great part-time job working for a princess of a lady, uh, stop by Campus Bookmart down on Hardy Street. Talk to Miss Kathleen. And again, some good part-time opportunity there at Campus Bookmart and Campus Bookmart. And if you're a psychologist, I'm looking for full-time help. <laughs> well, there's no help for you, Kelly, but <laughs> Kathleen could actually, actually okay. use that. All, right. All right, as we uh, continue our conversation with Daniel Short, Golden Eagles probably leaving any minute now to uh, go down to the Gulf Coast. A few days ago, I had an opportunity to uh, spend a little time with Brady Faust, who is a senior player on the Golden Eagle baseball team. I, I'm bringing you this interview and then I want to uh, talk about Brady for a minute uh, with Daniel and the guys and the importance of uh, of kids like Brady Faust to a program like the Southern Miss baseball team. All right, Brady Faust on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Brady, you've been around this program a while. Very curious to get your observation of all these new faces and uh, how the team is different than the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a lot of new guys, a lot of new faces, like you said, but... Uh, I think the culture is going to carry us through all these changes and everything. You know, I mean, there's a tradition of excellence here, and the people that have come before us and the guys that we still have here, they know what it takes, and we're just going to build it up. And it might there might be some growing pains here and there, but I think ultimately we'll really get it figured out and we'll get going. I think everyone that follows the program closely expected a little bit of a growing situation here early with all of the new faces, but how confident do you remain that you guys can play to the level you've played the last few years? Yeah, I'm very confident. Like I said, I mean, there's a tradition of excellence here, and we've got a lot of talent on this team. It might not have shown yet, you know, the chemistry's not quite there yet, but we showed all fall, all spring, there's tons of talent on this team. There's tons of guys that aren't quite yet comfortable, aren't doing what they're going to be able to do this year. And like I said, I think it'll start clicking soon, and hopefully it's sooner rather than later. And then the legend retires. Uh, Oz takes over. How different has that been, Brady? Um, honestly, not much has changed. I mean, as I said, I mean, Oz, there's not a ton of turnover with that. You know, Oz was under Barry for a while, and Barry still shows his face. He's, his presence is still around. It's good to see him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of difference, but not much. Do you think the overall approach to the game will be different under Oz as, than under Scott? Um, I don't see much of a difference, no. I think it's, it's going to be a lot of the same, you know. I think that's kind of just the culture. The culture hasn't changed here at all, and what we do is going to stay what we do. What's your ride been like here? You guys finished in the top ten of every poll last year. Two back-to-back regional champions. That's that's high lofty stuff, Brady. Yeah, I mean, it's been incredible, you know. I've, uh, I've been a part of a lot of great teams here, you know, seen a lot of baseball, and, I mean, it's been awesome. You know, the atmosphere's nothing like anywhere else. I wouldn't have rather been anywhere else than my whole career. All right, well, best of luck to you and your teammates this year. Thank you. All right, Daniel, Brady Fowles, senior player. Reserve player for four years. Uh, they brought him in to bunt a few times so far this year. He's a base runner. He's not a kid that's going to go out and start and play nine innings very often, but uh, those kind of players, and I'm sure you played with some, 
They're a big part of the team and very important. Where is big the part. where is the role for a kid like Brady Faust, and how does he help the Golden Eagle team? Well, just just listening to him talk, you can hear the positivity in his voice. And you know, as fans, it's easy to look and say, you know, we know these guys on the baseball field, but uh, you know, the team's been they live together. They work out together. They practice together. They eat together. They go to class together. So guys like Brady, constantly positive, day in, day out, whether they're playing or not. He talked about culture. That breeds that culture to where he's talking about chemistry, building that chemistry. So he might not be on the field, but he is an integral part to that team to to make them great. Yeah, Luke, uh, kids like Brady Faust, important. Yeah, because they, they know their role, and they have accepted that role. And, I mean, how many times last year was the first pinch runner off the uh, the bench? We all knew who it was going to be, right? right? We knew it was going to be Brady Faust. And I was just looking back at his, at his career numbers. So, in 2022, he played in 28 games. Last year he played in 25. So far this year, he's already played. Is that my soundtrack? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> So far this year in the eight games, he's he's played in five. So, I mean, these are the, the, the ability to have guys like him that know their role and have the ability, you know, to execute it. I just really think that I'm fond of that song, whatever's playing in the background. I'm playing it for you, Luke. I appreciate that. Yeah. Anyway, when I played football, same thing. Guys knew their role. They accepted their role. They did their role, and it made the team better. Kelly? The ring that he gets – for region championship. <laughs> it's looks, the same ring everybody else has got, right? It looks exactly like it. You know, at Oak Grove High School, right up the road here, there's a famous trivia question. You know, who at Oak Grove has won more state championship rings than anybody else? And you're thinking, well, Chris McCardle, the baseball coach, he's got, you know, three, and Neville Barr has got one, and, you know, Coach Causey. It's not. It's it's a guy It's a guy named B-Funk that they call, who's, who's kind of the – the spiritual leader of all yeah. those teams. he Because he's the spiritual leader for the football team, the baseball team. <laughs> so B-Funk has them. So it's guys that you don't hear about lots of times that are seemingly a lot more important than, than right. you might think. That's true. Right. Uh, Daniel, uh, we're eight games in, but uh, as you observe this baseball team compared to last year's or the year before, I, I think I'm really, really optimistic. What, what is your thought? You know, eight games in, we're six and two. Um, we played a tough Missouri State team this past weekend. Um, our pitchers faced Zach Stewart batting four twenty nine on the year, three home runs. Really tough competition. So uh, I, I don't want to get too optimistic. I think there's still a lot of progress that needs to be made. Mainly, you know, the bats have to wake up a little bit. But um, you look at kind of how this year is going versus how some of the previous years have gone. You know, we've been not six and two, five and three, four and four, you know. So having, you know, six wins, eight games in, um, I'm feeling really good. Just, Just trying not to get too optimistic. It comes down to the I word, guys. Injuries. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you look at this Southern Miss basketball team, for example. I mean, they got starters dropping, you know, right. right and left because of injury. I mean, but but as deep as this pitching staff is, you can afford. You don't want one, of no. course, but you can afford one here. We're or there. playing really good defense. Yeah. Our pitchers are pitching really well. We've got some timely hitting. Freshman Seth Smith's got two doubles on the year of his three hits. Both have been produced runs that have gotten us 
the win. And we've said before the season started, the guys on the team say that they think if Seth Smith develops the way that they think he can, he could very well, not me saying this, players saying this, that he could very well be the best baseball player to ever play at Southern Miss. His dad was one of the smoothest infielders I'd ever seen in my life. And so I know he comes from good stock. So that's good. Good to hear. Let me throw out another name that guys I think we're gonna we're gonna go wow over the next couple of years is Gillespie, out of Birmingham. Yeah, he's a young guy too, right? Yeah, freshman. freshman. So um, you got some pop, Gillespie. On got the got some pop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's hitting two twenty two, but as a team yeah. we're hitting two twelve. But uh, somebody's got a ton of potential. So yeah, it's gonna yeah, be. He fun almost to watch. knocked the top of the new scoreboard off this weekend <laughs> with a home run. I mean, Daniel, he smacked the scoreboard. Daniel, I, I need to object to something that was just said. I thought you and I had already decided that Kevin Coker was the greatest baseball player to ever play at the University of Southern Miss. Kevin Coker's probably the greatest guy to ever play at Southern Miss for baseball. Love Coker to death. Gave it all, right? Gave Came with it a all. straight finger and left with a crooked one, right? That's he did a, that. He did that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still to this day hear stories about Kevin Coker, so that, that speaks for itself. That I, I'll tell you all Coker stories from, from – but it, it's – what what happens is when you when when you make a statement like that for people to make a statement like that, and I hope it comes true. I mean, you already look at. We were discussing the other day, Bob. You know, at the at the remote with Coach Denson. You know, we were talking about Tommy Davis, and we were talking about uh-huh. other guys that uh, have that sometimes get forgotten. You know, Daniel. Before you and I got on campus, yeah. there was there was crazy good players that had already come through, and just seems like every decade uh, they they just you know continue more and more through Southern Miss baseball. Yeah, you know, you know, we're we're gonna attract talent at, at USM. Uh, what? How many forty win seasons do we have in a row? I know it leads the country. It's, it leads seven, seven or eight, seven or eight. Yeah. So we are going to be able to attract a quality baseball player. We're going to be able to build a quality team. And if you don't have a lot of NIL money, that's what's going to attract the players. Is they know they come here, they have a chance to win at a high level. Yeah, absolutely. You know, back when I was in, in the late nineties playing high school baseball, the thought that kind of went around high school guys was man i got to go to a mississippi state i got to go Ole miss or i won't get any exposure yeah that's changed that's changed um southern miss tulane's great um after last weekend the guys wanting to go to Ole miss are saying i got to go to high point (laughs) well you know mississippi state got swept by austin p i think this way you know now a few years removed from a national championship, you know, right. that, that carries you a pretty good right. ways. But baseball is competitive uh, across the board. Yeah. You know, Did you that should... hurt your feelings to see State get swept by Austin? Not Pitt? at all. No. Maybe. Not at all. Seven, seven years in a row plus 40. Yeah. There we go. Daniel, we appreciate it, man. I look forward to having you every week. Hey, great to be here. Daniel Thank you. Stewart on the Eagle Hour. When we come back, Nor Frary from Frary and Smith Podcast. Hang on. Top. All right, don't forget you can hear the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast anytime you like on Apple, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, 
or you can just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. I want to say hello to our good friends at Genesis of Hattiesburg, the official auto dealer of the Eagle Hour. Genesis sedans are beautiful, and their SUVs are the finest on the road today. Coming soon, and it's really nice, the all-new Genesis showroom on Highway 98 West in Hattiesburg. Appreciate all that Genesis of Hattiesburg does with Super Talk Mississippi. 4th Street Barn Grill sponsors this segment of the show. And in this segment, we're happy to welcome Noah Frary of the Frary and Smith podcast. Back to the Eagle Hour. Noah, always good to hear from you. And a lot of news breaking uh, this week in the conference. And let's start with the transfer of the big star quarterback in Sunbelt football. Yeah, guys, first and foremost, it's always uh, fun to be on the show. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk uh, the big transfer news that came out just earlier today. I mean, this news was broke about four hours ago, and that's uh, Sunbelt Player of the Year. Jordan McLeod from James Madison has announced his intentions to uh, transfer to Texas State uh, to go play for G.J. Kinney in that high-powered offense. Uh, this is huge. I mean, this is a Texas State program that obviously – you come into the offseason, you've got T.J. Finley, you're feeling pretty good. Then they kind of had the faux pas of bringing in Jaden Delora. Obviously, he's no longer with the uh, the program after the fan backlash. And then you go out and land Jordan McLeod all in the span of about 30 days. So, um, obviously, bringing in Jordan McLeod is huge for Texas State. And, and in a, a Sunbelt West that feels pretty wide open, suddenly you could say that uh, Texas State might be the, the team to beat as we look ahead to 2024. I was just going to say that's that's not good news for Southern Miss. Uh, Noah? Yeah, it probably isn't. Uh, you know, I think we just saw earlier today that Southern Miss is in the midst of a uh, four-individual quarterback battle. It seems like that's what we've uh, come to expect over the last couple of years, although I will say I'm hopeful about some of the quarterbacks uh, that Will Hall has to work with this year. So uh, maybe this will be the year that Southern Miss finally finds their quarterback and they go from being a quarterback away to, to having a true QB1. So while Kelly, it- Kelly, we were going to play him anyway. We were, we were going to have to go to James Madison. So you were going to play McLeod anyway. So you can look at it that way. Well, yeah, but it, but the West. I mean, if you're going to play for the title, you got you know you got to win your division. So that but I mean, this is Noah, and and again, just to to help me understand it, uh, you're talking about the best team in in the East, the best quarterback. This would be the equivalent of let's just look at last year, maybe like a Jackson Dart or Jaden Daniels going to uh, you know like Kentucky or South Carolina. I mean that that that's that's how it would work in some ways. I know the geography is backwards. Yeah, I mean it's a fascinating uh, kind of decision. I, I mean, obviously, when Kirk Signetti, um, you know, d- announced that he was heading to Indiana, Jordan McLeod quickly went into the transfer portal. Still ended up playing in the bowl game, and I think that the intention had probably been to go play at a Power Five school. And I'm not sure those offers ever came. I know that there was uh, an academic issue that seems to have been sorted out at this point. So. Um, yeah, it doesn't necessarily, you know, I think make a ton of sense to the naked eye, but I, I think that maybe the options that Jordan thought he would have in the transfer portal weren't necessarily there. Um, so then he lands at Texas State, which is a place that uh, I think will really showcase his talents. They've been looking for uh, more of a dual-threat quarterback than T.J. Finley was. So, um, yeah, I think the, the calculus clearly changed at James Madison when Kurt Signetti left. Uh, Jordan McLeod, from the sources I've talked to, wasn't very open to the idea of staying at James Madison uh, for this next season. So then uh, the choice became to, to head to Texas State, and that's what he's done at this point. And now it looks like the Bobcats' football future is at least rock solid for the time being, but not so with Old Dominion basketball. Headline number two, tell us what's going on at Old Dominion. 
Yeah, I mean, Jeff Jones announces his retirement, um, you know, yesterday from, you know, after he had suffered a, a heart attack earlier on in the season, obviously a, a super unfortunate decision. And he now chooses to retire at the age of 63 after, you know, 11 years at Old Dominion. So uh, you hate to see Jeff Jones go. Uh, that's, you know, obviously super unfortunate for Old Dominion, but they, they have been in the um, you know, the midst of a very challenging season, Kieran Donahue is going to continue to lead this program at least through the uh, remainder of uh, this season and into Pensacola for the Sun Belt tournament. And then uh, it will be interesting to see where Old Dominion goes. This is a, a job that I think a lot of people are going to be very interested in. They lead the league in attendance uh, almost yearly. They're you know one of the biggest draws uh, in Norfolk, and so I think that. Uh, this is going to be a job that a lot of people are going to be interested in, and Old Dominion definitely will have uh, a lot of good candidates come you know, postseason after they uh, begin to look for a new head coach. And actually, no, I've heard you say in, in other you know, different formats and whatnot that you think, and of course it's America, we can all have opinions, but you think, you think the Old Dominion job is probably the best job in basketball in the Sun Belt, yes? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it has the the opportunity to be the best. I'm not going to say, you know, right here on, you know, February 27th that that it is the best job. Um, But I think when you look at uh, the recruiting base that's generally in that area, and I think the transfer portal has created um, some really interesting elements, maybe, you know, highly recruited kids that, you know, went to Power Fives now looking to come home. I think that there's a huge recruiting base there, obviously, uh, the fan support uh, is incredible. I mean, they average over 5,000 to 6,000 fans per game, and that's actually down from years ago when they were closer to 8,000 per game. So you're going to have the fan support. You have um, a pretty substantial alumni base and administration that, um, you know, obviously is clearly willing to support uh, basketball. You have to look no farther than the new basketball gym that they're playing in. So I think there's a lot of really good things at Old Dominion, and, and you could go read. There's a great article that Shane Metlin, who who covers James Madison, but he wrote recently a kind of a job profile about this old Dominion job, and he echoed a lot of you know what you know others are saying too about you know how valuable this job could be uh, for someone in the future. And finally, uh, the final headline out of Georgia State in Atlanta, where after they lost their head football coach to a position job in the SEC, the Panthers have a new head football coach. Yeah, this one, uh, you know, is, is big news, and I think it's it's something that a lot of people in the Sun Belt uh, took notice of. Uh, Del McGee is going to be the new head football coach at um, Georgia State after uh, Sean Elliott obviously departs for the position coach job at um, at South Carolina. But um, he brings in just a ton of recruiting experience. He uh, was on Kirby Smart's staff the last couple of years during this you know run that Georgia has had. He was the running backs coach there and. Uh, you know, I think from talking to people who, who are around that program at Georgia State, uh, one of the biggest things that I think people had struggled with with Sean Elliott is he was kind of one foot in, one foot out. He, he, he lived in Columbia, South Carolina on the weekends. Uh, he and his staff oftentimes bragged about being done at a certain time on Fridays so that Coach Elliott could go and, um, you know, watch his son play football on, on Friday nights in high school. And you can't blame him. I mean, it's family. I think many of us would, you know, do the same types of things. But, um, I think this is a huge gift for Georgia State. They have a unique opportunity, and, and my co-host, Caden Smith, on the podcast that we do talks about it all the time, is the recruiting base and the athletes in the state of Georgia is extremely ripe for the taking. No, you're not going to land the four- and five-star guys, but there's plenty of three-star guys, you know, high two-star guys, um, that if you're willing to do the work, um, you can land. And, you know, the, the previous staff at Georgia State, they didn't do a great job. 
at uh, you know recruiting the Metro Atlanta area. Del McGee's going to come in and do that. And you know, I think the other point here too, and my co-host Kate had mentioned it the other day. Del McGee is going to be the second African American head coach in this league, and. Uh, in a city of Atlanta where, with a very uh, diverse culture, I think Del McGee is a, is a slam-dunk hire uh, for Georgia State. And, you know, this is a, a coach that I think could very easily, if he starts to get some recruiting wins like he's known for, could turn this Georgia State team into a consistent 7-8 to eight win team in the Sun Belt East. Luke Johnson, Noah Furry with the Furry and Smith podcast on the Eagle Hour. Yeah, Noah, you mentioned, and, and I'm I'm thankful you brought up the the issue or the the component to Elliott leaving. Uh, we we saw you know Kane Womack going from a head coach to uh, to the defensive coordinator at Alabama. That and maybe Chip Kelly more the same, but the Elliott was was more of a family deal, and I think a lot of people may make a good point of saying, you know, better to be a P5 coordinator than a, than a G5 coach or a P4 coordinator now. But I, I, I think some of those situations were almost unique to that specific situation. Yeah, no, Luke, I think you're, I think you're spot on here. There's been five new head coaches in the Sun Belt this year, and I think each one of them is, is a unique situation. I mean, Kurt Signetti gets the opportunity to go coach at a Power 5 team in Indiana. You mentioned Kane Womack, you mentioned Sean Elliott. Um, so yeah, I think each situation is slightly different. I think it is alarming to see uh, just the number of head coaches that have departed uh, the league this year. I mean, it's almost 40% of the league's head coaches, five out of the 14, uh, will not be here for, for 2024. But um, you know, to your point, I think, and you don't have to look very far. You could go read an article um, that was put out by Yahoo Sports just a week ago of Will Hall mentioning how how challenging it is uh, to be a head coach in these day and age. So, I do think this is a trend, perhaps at the Group of Five level, that you might see more and more of in the future. People leaving for position coaching jobs because, let's be honest, as a Group of Five head coach right now, the quality of life is not great. You're you're having to recruit year round. You're having to try to maintain your roster and your having to compete against NIL collectives that, uh, you know, are, are much larger. So um, life as a group of five head coaches is not exactly great right now, and I think it has a lot of people in the industry starting to rethink the, uh, the path towards uh, future success. All right, Noel, we appreciate your input. I look forward to having you back on the Eagle Hour really soon. Guys, always enjoy it, and uh, have a good uh, rest of your day. Noel Ferry, everybody. Ferry and Smith podcast on the show tomorrow. Lady Eagle basketball on the road. We're going to be talking to Malia Grayson and Lonnie Cornfield tomorrow. Heath Hinton's going to join us as well. Coach Will Hall on the show Thursday to talk about spring football. Also, Andrew Abadie, Patrick McGee, Dima Mixon. Lots of stuff coming up. And still no room for Beyonce. I I turned her down. Okay. I don't really like her anymore. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment on a Tuesday brought to you by D-Bat in Hattiesburg. Great facilities, batting cages, pro shop instruction. It's all on Hardy Street. DBATHattiesburg.com. Luke, Bob, and Kelly from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, appreciate Noah Frary from the Frey Smith Podcast joining us. Big news in, uh, in Sunbelt today. If you missed that, you can go back and listen, as well as Daniel Stewart's uh, 
expertise, we should say, and uh, visiting with us in studio. All that uh, you can find later on demand at supertalk.fm or Eagle Hour, of course, in podcast form, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Audible, or you can ask Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Golf makes a trip to Puerto Rico, plays two rounds. The third round, the final round, got washed out. Man, tough. Southern Miss Golf finishes 12th out of 17 teams. Ryan Dupuy and Bennett Ruby both uh, finish tied for 28th overall. A couple more news and notes. Southern Miss sophomore, rising sophomore, Rebecca Vega, selected to the Venezuelan under-20 national team. She had already played for the under-23 team, and uh, she will uh, play along with her fellow uh, country women in Venezuela from April 11th till May 5th for maybe a shot at the under-20 Women's World Cup later this year in Colombia. Austin Crowley named a Howell Trophy finalist for the second consecutive season. He's averaging a career-best 16.2 points per game and a second in the Sun Belt with 17.7 points per game in conference play. Matt uh, Morrell of Ole Miss, Josh Hubbard of Mississippi State, the other two finalists, uh, the winner will be selected. Monday, March 11th at the Golden Moon uh, Casino. So Austin Crowley, a Howell Trophy finalist. Um, of course, baseball tonight down on the coast at the Shuckers Park. Uh, Southern Miss throwing uh, Cole Boswell out of West Lauderdale High School. First pitch at 6 p.m. against Nickel State. Finally, football opened today. Uh, a kickoff for spring 29 new Golden Eagles today, as well as two new coordinators, Chip Long on offense, Clay Bignell on defense. Some of our good friends um, on uh, on Twitter, like Andrew Abadie, Demon Mixon, got some videos of the four quarterbacks. This is uh, Will Hall saying today this is an open competition with Billy Wiles, Tate Rotomaker, Ethan Crawford, and uh, true freshman, John White. And when you look at, man, this spring schedule, remember how Will likes to, to spread it out? We'll ask you more later uh, this week. Two practices this week, two next week. They'll take a week off for spring break. And then the last two weeks in, in March, they'll have three practices and two practices. And then in April, two practices, the spring game on April 6th. And then remember, he always does practices after the spring game uh, for learning. So Southern Miss football, spring football today. Get started. All right, Daniel, we're, we're glad to have you in the studio, man. Really appreciate you uh, chipping in here with your analysis uh, as we move through this baseball season. You probably know by now, but this crew around here, we live for baseball season. Oh, I know you do. We, we, love do us some, we love us some Southern Miss baseball. Look, now, this Nichols bunch is 7-1, and one, right? Uh, look who they played. I, I don't know who have they St. played. St. Mary's and I don't know. People I've never heard of. I mean, that may not mean anything, but well, I see why Still I don't think it means anything. They hadn't anything. played high point. I tell you that much. Yeah, and Daniel, uh, you know, if you're pitching a different kid every inning, and you're and you're really just trying to get some of your young kids on the field to pitch, well, heck, anything could happen. Anything could happen. Yeah, you you never know. But I I know these guys are still going to try to win no matter who's out there. So, yeah. the, but that's the thing I think that a lot of people like about baseball is that. I mean, take college football, for example. I mean, 
if you're Alabama or Georgia, <clears throat> regardless of who you're playing, there's a 90% chance you're going to win that game. Yeah. You, you can play yeah. poorly but and still win. You never yeah. know in baseball, do you, Kelly? You no. know, a small school baseball team can have a great pitcher and go in and beat anybody. So that's the great thing about baseball. Yeah, so when you look at the tournament at the end of the year, the field of the different regionals, and you see some of these schools and you're going, now, wh- where are they from? Yeah. You <laughs> know, that's the good thing about yeah. baseball. Is Nichols the, is 7-0, uh, and oh, or 7-1. and one. Only loss was last Tuesday at Tulane in Turchin Stadium, three to two. Yeah, uh, Daniel. Uh, real quickly, about a minute left. There was a there was a, a a moment over the weekend when it appeared that Billy Odom had struck out the big home run hitter mm-hmm. for uh, uh, from Missouri State, and the ump called it ball four, mm. and uh, and Oz stopped the game, and he went out to the mound, and it became really clear he was not leaving the mound until the official came out. And then he gave the official. I won't repeat what he said. He said to him, but let's say he he expressed his unhappiness. Did you ever see Corky do anything like that? A time or two, yeah, I think so. Um, it, now, prior to me coming to Southern Miss, it was also Coach Palmer without Coach Barry. So from what I hear, Coach Barry had a, a very unique way of keeping Coach Palmer. His emotions in check, mm-hmm. so they were a good combo. But yeah, a few times I heard Coach Palmer. So get a Scott little upset. was the good cop. Good Corky cop. was the bad, bad cop. cop. Well, I know whenever I got pulled and pitching, I'd tell the coach I'm not tired, and he'd say, "Well, you might not be, but our outfielders are exhausted." <laughs> Third pitch of the game, he doesn't have it. It's over. Quit. I'm going to the bus. He never got on you, did he, Daniel? Uh, a time or two. It, it was probably well deserved uh, chewing that. I got. But any further comment will have to come from the president, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel, thank you for coming by. Great to be here. Thanks for All having right, me. Daniel Stewart, he'll be with us uh, every week uh, through this glorious baseball season that we're all enjoying so much. Back tomorrow at 1 o'clock, as always. Thank you very much for listening. Southern Miss, to, to the, the top. top. Keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the Talk Mississippi Media Production.